the people that got the real money were the, you know, the big corporations that got millions of dollars of PPP loans. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're, that's a great way to put it is like, it's, it's great in the immediate moment, but ultimately it is going to hurt you and everyone else because it's, it's meant to benefit the king and the king's friends. Yeah. <laughs> this is the real estate podcast, a show by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's hear from our host, Matt Teifke and Alex Kaufman. All right, Matt and Alex here with, technically it's called The Real Estate Podcast, but we got our buddy, good buddy, Lamar Cannon here. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure to, uh, to have you around and I always like talking to you and you, you always get me thinking. So appreciate you being here, dude. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, so what we kind of wanted to talk about um, is Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Um, you've been preaching on it for a long time to me personally. And actually, I think you're probably the first person that uh, I talked about it with that I was like, okay, if this guy believes in it, like he's a super smart guy, he knows what he's talking about. Maybe there's something a little bit more to this than what you're just hearing on like Yahoo News or whatever. Um, yeah. And I think that was maybe four or five years ago maybe not that long but then you've obviously been in it a lot longer than that and uh so we recently announced that like we are going to start accepting bitcoin as rent and um, we are investing in bitcoin and you know more and more over time it just to me personally seems more obvious that like this is a huge movement and it's not going anywhere where i used to personally think what is this? Is this like a tulip mania or something? And, you know, and it obviously has these huge swings and stuff, but it seems to be resilient. And so, you know, much more than we do about Bitcoin and you're super plugged in and I know you can get like super technical with it. But uh, if it's cool with you, man, would love to kind of just, I guess, maybe start from like when you first got introduced to it and like what you see within Bitcoin and we'll just pepper you with questions throughout. And, and kind of the concept is, how do we introduce this to more people, inspire entrepreneurs, uh, get our message out about investing and thinking long term, which is real estate and crypto and Bitcoin. And um, if, you, if you're cool with that, man, just take the floor. Uh, before, right, we, before we dive in too far into the Bitcoin conversation, I think it'd be really helpful if you could uh, explain what cryptocurrencies are. Uh, because I feel like, uh, and I've done this on this podcast where I'm talking to people who are, uh, you know, talking about investing in crypto and no one can really explain it very well, the blockchain and cryptos and, you know, what it is. I think that'd be valuable too, so that people can follow based on that knowledge, what, what we're talking about here. All right. Sounds good. Um, so in terms of starting with Alex's question, um, what is the cryptocurrency? Um, and all there's there's tons of cryptocurrencies um, that exist and uh, people make more every day. Um, but if we're talking about um, in terms of the basic premise of cryptocurrency, which is why Bitcoin exists, is it's a solution to the problem of being able to exchange value without a middleman. And so if we, we, we can do that digitally, but we have to be able to do it in a way where Alex has a certain amount of money, he's gonna send some to me, and then I'm gonna send some to Matthew. But we have to do it in a way where 
Alex can't send it. Send, if Alex has $1 of cryptocurrency, he can't send me that $1 and then also send Matthew that $1. So he doubled the amount that he has. So the non-technical simple explanation of what cryptocurrencies are is they're a, a shared ledger that keeps account balances. And basically that ledger updates every time a transaction is done. And so all the users on the Bitcoin network, the miners, the users, the different nodes, they all share the same ledger, which they update every time a transaction is done um, uh, through the through whichever network they're on. And so keeping those balances updated is basically what needs to be done to make sure people aren't spending money that they don't have. And so that allows um, the currency to exist with no middleman. Yeah. And just to touch on that, I know this is going to be, we'll talk about this, I'm sure later, but the the middleman concept is fascinating to me because obviously, you know, one of the big things is the Federal Reserve, like printing money and these people control like, you know, interest rates and all this stuff. And and Bitcoin, you know, I think the big core for me is it takes that out and it takes out artificially messing with it. And like the way I think about it as well as like different currencies and different governments and how they manipulate it in Mexico versus the USA versus France. How do you keep up with all this stuff? And like the people that aren't pulling the strings are the ones that get screwed over. And so you, you put it on where there's no middleman or it's just nobody owns, you know, all the crypto or all Bitcoin and, and making these decisions owned by everyone. And um, that's, what's so inspiring to me about it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm sure that's a long discussion. Um, but man, like you, you've been in the real estate business for a long time and, and you're, you're very passionate about uh, crypto and I, I believe Bitcoin specifically. Um, if it's cool, like h- how'd you get introduced to it? Like what was the first time you saw it and then started getting you to dive in on it? Um, so, so basically um, with that, um, I'm a, I, I went to college for computer science because I felt like the future of, um, of the world was going to be a lot more digital than it was when I was in college. And I felt like that was the wave that we we're going to go down. So I learned how to program. I learned how to do all kinds of stuff. Um, and then I realized that um, I want to start businesses. So even though I started doing entrepreneurial things, I always uh, kept doing like computer programming on the side. Even today, I was doing a little bit of doing writing some code. And, um, and so basically, over time, what happened was in 2008, I think, um, when the market crashed, the stock market crashed, I lost uh, pretty much my whole life savings that I saved up in college. And um, so I lost that. And um, well, not actually lost, but it went down and I freaked out and sold it. And you know how that goes. Um, so um, so after that, like um, that was like 08 and then Bitcoin was created in 09. I didn't know about it. And then all the way until 2013, um, the only things I've heard, heard about Bitcoin before that were coming from the media to me. So that was like Bitcoin's for criminals. It's used to buy drugs. Um, uh, there's these weird shady people online doing all this stuff with uh, this magic internet money. So uh, I, I was kind of curious, but I didn't really like dig deep into it. And uh, it seemed like a criminal thing. So I didn't want to attract any kind of attention that way. And so um, um, I went to some um, real estate conference. We were working on starting a 
a fund for a real estate business uh, to buy some deals. And I went to this conference and then these, um, I thought at the time these weird uh, people showed up and started talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And uh, it was so weird because it threw everyone off and everyone was just like, why are these guys here? But they're talking about using cryptocurrency to using Bitcoin to raise money for real estate deals. And it didn't really go over well with the, with the crowd, but I was kind of interested. And so um, uh, they even spelled cryptocurrency wrong. They Instead of a Y in cryptocurrency, they put an I instead. Uh, so that was pretty funny. And so basically after that, I began looking into it. Uh, I got online, tried to buy some um, some Ethereum, um, and uh, it was like $16 at the time. I don't remember what year this was, but I could. it was like super hard to buy, so I didn't, I kind of brushed it off. But then um, they started having this um, ICO mania where it's like an initial coin offering, which is like kind of like you're raising money for um, some kind of cryptocurrency project that you're building, but you're raising it with Bitcoin. So everyone's donating Bitcoin to you to build your project. And then you give them tokens in exchange. So they're doing that on on uh, the Ethereum network, which is another cryptocurrency. So that's how I got into that. And then over time, I realized most of that was just gambling. So uh, I ended up solidifying after I learned about all the different cryptocurrencies. I spent time going through every si single one of the top like 200 cryptocurrencies to see um, what the differences were and how they're different from Bitcoin. And in the end, I realized that um, Bitcoin is the, the best chance for us to solve the money problem that we're trying to solve. And so if we're trying to build another Las Vegas, then the rest of the coins are pretty good for that. They can help us gamble. Sometimes we win money, sometimes we lose money. We can trade, we can do all kinds of stuff. We wanna gamble, then the other coins, yeah, they're really good. Um, but if we want to uh, have a future where we have sound money, really hard money that no one can interfere with, no one can inflate. And basically like, um, if we talk to our grandparents and ask them how much things cost, and then we go buy, try to buy the same thing right now, the price is totally different, much higher. And that's a result of inflation. And we've gotten so used to it, we expect the prices of things to go up over time. But if we had sound money, it would be much different than that. We wouldn't get taxed, uh, like secretly taxed on our, on our earnings, on our dollars. Um, if they weren't inflated uh, and we didn't have someone in between that we had no say in if they inflate the money supply. Yeah, that's deep, man. I mean, that's, that's what's so cool about, <clears throat> cool about it is that it is trying to solve a problem. Um, one thing that I, I want to ask you, which I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, I, I definitely believe in it and I'm, I'm buying some, but it doesn't seem like it's succeeded and I could be wrong. Uh, but succeeded in being a actual currency, mm -hmm. but it's more succeeded and succeeding in being that store of value. Is that correct? Or am I looking at that wrong? Uh, yeah. So I, I agree. Um, I agree somewhat. Um, I agree to this point. Yes, I agree. So basically the way money usually goes is something becomes a store of value before it's actually used as a currency to exchange exchange because if that thing doesn't have the store of value first 
then why am I going to want something that didn't have value before we start trading with it? Right. We're not just going to pick up something and say, hey, we're going to trade this unless the government makes us like we did with these pieces of paper that we use. And so, um, so yeah, so, so basically, but Bitcoin has started, it started trying to be a currency. And then over time, it evolved into like a store of value. And then in the future, um, which is starting now, there will be, um, there will be stable coins pegged to the Bitcoin um, blockchain, which basically means it's a, a coin that stays at the same value, but it's backed by Bitcoin. And you can use those to, to transfer money between each other. Um, it'll be much easier than uh, sending a, a Bitcoin across because Bitcoin can only do seven transactions per um, per minute, I think. Per, yeah. And so, um, so seven transactions a minute. And so that's definitely not enough for the whole uh, world to use for transactions. Um, but there's, you can build on top of Bitcoin, which solves that problem. And right. so, yeah. And, and that makes sense that like, you can't use it as a currency right now as much if it's so volatile, right? Like, you, you're like, well, I don't even know what it's going to be worth. And so I guess once it's more widely accepted, it's it's not going to have these massive swings as much as it's having now. And then people feel a little bit more reliant that like it's worth what it is right now. So I'll, I'll use it maybe. Yeah. So so right now, Bitcoin's still like in a um, like a price discovery phase. And so right now it's like there's there's not like so with the with the stock with a, a stock or or most commodities or most of the assets that have existed for most of our lives, uh, Bitcoin is is one of the newest assets that we've, we've uh, come across. Like it's rare that a new asset gets created in someone's lifetime. And we're experiencing that with Bitcoin. And so 10 years ago, 11 years ago, a new asset was created. So the world doesn't really know how to react to a new asset, how to value it, how to uh, current price it correctly. And so all the money that could be in Bitcoin is not in Bitcoin yet. All the money that wants to be in Bitcoin is not in Bitcoin yet. So a lot of the big pension funds haven't put their money in there. Some of the hedge funds and some publicly traded companies are in there, but it's kind of like a, a weird alternative asset that if something goes wrong and the price drops, you don't want to get fired. So you'd rather not take the risk, but eventually it's going to be something where it's like, why don't you have Bitcoin? Like it's it's going to be like a weird thing. So I always think of it as when 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 smart people, especially smart rich people, are doing something that you think is weird, then it's probably not weird. You should probably look into it. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's been tons of smart people before, but before Elon Musk uh, start buying Bitcoin, but there's been tons of smart people that have been buying it. And then so Elon starts buying it and he uh, gets people hyped, hyped on it. And so I just think like if you if you buy a if you have a publicly traded company and you buy billions of dollars of Bitcoin with a certain asset with it and you're one of the first publicly traded companies, um, that should probably tell people something, especially if you're considered to be one of the smartest people in the world. 
The Real Estate Podcast is sponsored by Doyen Inspections. Doyen is a team of female professional home inspectors that serve the greater Austin area. Whether you are buying a resale, building a new home, or about to list your home for sale, the ladies at Doyen Inspections can inspect your home. They provide a color-coded and thorough inspection report full of images, videos, and explanations. Visit Doyen, that is D-O-Y-E-N-N-E, inspections.com for more information or give them a call at 512-655-9940. Now back to the episode. Another guy from MicroStrategy, um, Michael Saylor, he like buys Bitcoin like crazy, like hundreds of millions of dollars at a time with his, with his uh, publicly traded company and some bonds that he's selling to buy more Bitcoin. So um, it's just one of those things where um, if you look at any new technology, if you look at Apple computer when it first started, if you look at Google when it first started, if you look at Facebook when it first started, like everything that when it, when it, good ideas, when they first start, they sound kind of dumb to a normal person. Mm-hmm. And so a, nor- a normal person that doesn't have that, that, that foresight for the future and, and see, it, and they just see it as something that's different than what I'm used to. They always end up adopting it really late um, in terms of investment. So, um, I don't know. I think, uh, and then the other thing about it is I think there's a, um, I think most, most of the, the money, the wealth in the United States or all throughout the world, I think naturally most of that wealth is in the hands of like older generations. And so that kind of makes sense because they have more time on earth to like amass wealth. And some of them amass quite a bit, like your Warren Buffett's and some other people like that. And so with the, most of that wealth being in, in older hands, the thing we have to realize is that after someone's over 40, it's really hard to change their mind about something. And so if someone isn't already an early adopter or someone isn't already into something that's, that's new, then at a certain point, they're never gonna change their mind and they're always gonna think that thing is weird. So, it, it happens with every generation, no matter what kind of technology it is, where they think that technology that the young kids are using is some weird, crazy thing. And so a perfect example is if you look at um, Nancy Pelosi or you look at Janet Yellen or some of these other people that um, they're, they're a little bit uh, up there in age, they don't really agree with uh, this new technology that um, takes the puts the power into the, to the people's hands. And so I think uh, the world will be much better if um, the power of money, like the thing that everyone on earth pretty much cares about and needs, if uh, that can't be manipulated by a very few people. I've got uh, a few questions, if I may. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so the problem we're solving, the middleman being the government here, correct? Correct. So we're trying to remove uh, the government from, or well, that's the problem that Bitcoin solves or crypto solves is having the open ledger for everybody, you know, everything is recorded. Uh, As soon as something happens, it transfers hands and this is open ledger. Um, So it's really just a ledger. It's a, it's a, it's a universal spreadsheet that anybody can access and see what happened when and where. Um, 
So what is the coin aspect of that ledger? The coin aspect is the digit that you're transferring. If that makes sense, like blockchain is the ledger or Bitcoin is the ledger. Yeah. So wait, so are you asking me is blockchain the ledger or Bitcoin the ledger? Yes. So the, the I don't ledger. get it. I get confused <laughs> thinking yeah, about so you're you're you you have the ledger part down, you have all that down. You're you're good with that part. And so the coin is just a representation of the balance. So it's not an actual coin. It's just me taking my balance of one coin and giving 0.5 of that, transferring 0.5 of that to your balance. So my balance goes down by 0.5 and now the ledger sees your balance up by 0.5. And, and just to help maybe touch on this, like there, there is a certain amount of coins that will ever be around. They're like, they all have not been mined yet. People are working on, there's like, these there's this unknown number of coins no, no there uh, is it's maximum, a, the maximum is 21 million there's so there known, more than 21 million coins yeah. so you can't be so if you have a thousand coins then you know that you have one you have one thousand out of the total supply and you're not going to get diluted and your money is not going to become worth less as a result of dilution right it will never change yeah I, but they all haven't been unlocked yet. I get it. And so that's where the value comes from is this this limited number of, of coins, digits on this, you know, uh, of this ledger. Uh, who manages this ledger? Who's in charge of making sure the, the ledger? I mean, like, I, I'm trying to wonder, like, who's managing it? Who's overseeing it? What happens if the ledger malfunctions? Like, I thought that was the whole point of people mining them was to keep it going or of some yeah, sort. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, so we're, so we're so used to the business world and like we grow up with everything happened to be managed and, um, we need the government for everything. So when something's different like this, it kind of throws us off exactly the same thing that happened with me. And so, um, so basically no one manages the ledger cause no one needs to. And so basically the way I'm trying to think of like a simple way to explain it without talking about like mempools and transactions and fees and mining and hashes and stuff like that. Um, so basically the ledger, once it, once the ledger, so as a miner, okay, so this is, we gotta, there's, we have to get semi technical. To Let's go. So so okay so if we're if i'm doing a transaction so i do it i do the transaction it goes through the internet so it goes to through the internet and it waits it goes to a place called a mempool and so a mempool is just a holding place for all the 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 transactions that haven't been processed yet and then in that mempool of all those transactions the miners pick from those transactions they can pick whichever transactions they want um, in the order that they're supposed to be processed, they can pick those transactions. Usually they pick the ones that have the highest fees so they can make the, the, the fees off that. And so they pick those transactions and then they solve a really hard puzzle with their computers that allow them to win the transaction over all the other miners. And so what that does is it gives them all the fees, the mining fees for that transaction, which can be quite a bit. Right now it's like 6.25 Bitcoin per transaction. So that's quite a bit. Uh, and so, so basically 
that and once a block is made it kind of solidifies it into the ledger so this can't change and as more transactions are added on top of it then it becomes even more solid so as six more blocks usually the general um, accepted amount of blocks where you can't change the ones that have been already completed is six blocks later. So after I mine this block and this block goes onto the blockchain, six blocks later, that's going to be pretty much set in stone, can never be changed. Before six blocks, there's like a really small possibility that this can get changed. But until like once six blocks happen, six confirmations, then that's set in stone. So basically the ledger is set in stone and to do an, another transaction, my transactions have to be based on that existing ledger. So I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, work off the Bitcoin ledger if I'm using the wrong ledger. And so right. everyone, everyone uses the most updated ledger. Otherwise, you're not on the Bitcoin network anymore. You're on your own imaginary thing that's not connected. No one's going to mine your transactions. And Where is this ledger hosted? I mean, because like it's how on, are... It's on hundreds of thousands of computers all across the whole United... All across the whole world. But it's connected so, through some sort of... Connected, connected... Through, through the internet. Okay websites are connected through the internet right and so, so it's connected through the internet uh it's they're not like it's not like this ledger's on some server somewhere in some server warehouse correct it's not it's not a centralized it's decentralized so there's so many copies of it um all throughout the world that if i sh if i saw your node where you you have your copy saved and i destroyed it there would still be tons of other copies all throughout the world that have the most recent updated uh, Bitcoin blockchain ledger on. What happens when, so it's 21 million, that's the number, right? Yeah. What happens when all 21 million have been mined? How do the, how does it continue to, to run and update if nobody's working to keep it going? Yeah, so the miners, the miners are always gonna be, be there working to keep it going. So right now, every time I mine a block as a miner, I get all the transaction fees. So when you when you do a transaction, you send, so you're sending Matt 10, 10 Bitcoin, and then you're paying like 0.1 in transaction fees. Got right? it. And so the miner gets the 0.1 transaction fee, and then and then we send the rest to, to Matt. Got and it. And so right now, the miners get all those transaction fees from all the the uh, transactions in the block that they create. And then they also get what's called a, um, a block reward for being a miner. So right now the block reward is 6.25 Bitcoin. And so every four years that cuts in half, but right now it's 6.25 Bitcoin. And so if I'm a miner and I mine a block, I get 6.25 Bitcoin plus all the transaction fees. So in the future, when that block reward is is gone, then I'm going to be getting mostly my, my income as a miner would be mostly transaction fees. All right, guys, let's talk about today's sponsor. 
Glenn LeBlanc and Supreme Lending have been serving the Austin market for 20 plus years. They are a local lender with in-house underwriting, so you're kept in the loop every step of the way. Whether you're doing a cash out for home repairs or a first time home buyer, Glenn makes the lending process smooth and easy to navigate. Always available and able to educate buyers along the way. Choose a local lender when buying your next home. Call 512-672-9472 anytime. And if you say you heard this ad on our podcast, Glenn will refund your appraisal if you use him. Definitely reach out to Glenn. Glenn is a personal friend of ours. The link to his website is in the description below. Now back to the episode. Instead of the block reward and the transaction fees, I'm only getting the transaction fees. That makes sense. I thought they did it only for the block reward. Okay. Yeah. So if they did that only for the block reward and then the block reward went away and you have to just do it for free, no one would do it. And so it'll just be game over. And um, so do you think that... uh, Cause I, I've tried, you know, I haven't dove too deep into it, uh, personally on my own research. Um, I've kind of, I said, I think I said it the other day, I said, you know, personally, maybe I just stick to real estate. I'm not 40 years old yet. I, my mind can be changed, but, um, you know, I'm just trying to like think through it. So, so Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency, um, I guess this would be a global thing. This ledger, this is this wouldn't be United States, and then you know China would have their own, or so on and so forth. This would be a global way to trade and have it, you know, be recorded and transfer, you know, uh, money and value. Um, and so I imagine that the uh, what do you foresee? Because removing no middleman ever likes to be removed, right? So how do you foresee this playing out with the governments? Uh, And I just want to touch on that because that's what I was thinking is like a huge part of this is like, this is a revolution, right? Like Mm. that people don't want to happen. And so that's like a whole dark side as far as like people wanting to keep this out and preventing it. And you're going against powerful people that -hmm. have always had the power. And, and I think they're scared that that some of that aspect would go away. And so that's fascinating to me as well. It's like, nobody can manipulate this. This isn't about one person or people that get in control. The miners are obviously very important, but they have a service to provide, which they get paid for. Uh, But that seems based on what you're saying, that's all they do. They provide a service. They're not making any kind of directional decisions. It seems like it's already set in stone and, so it's like a huge revolution financially. Um, and, you know, I know this is out there, but like with space travel and all this stuff, like the, the Bitcoin, all this stuff could, tra- could you know, correlate there directly. Like it's all it's all still through the web and on the internet and yeah. we're not going to have dollars in other, ga- you know, other planets and stuff like that. And that's <laughs> thousands of years away. But like, yeah. it's just a fascinating concept to think about. And all all those are the reasons why I believe in it. But. I guess to your question, you're like wondering how, how, what are people going to do to prevent it? Well, and I mean, you know, Lamar, I mean, I, I guess I don't think anybody knows. But do you know, real quick, do you know that like recently, and you could maybe know a lot more about this, but like in China, like they're kicking miners out. Like, mm-hmm. And that's like a big deal. Yeah. But if I live in China, I could still do Bitcoin transactions. So right. I can stop from doing a Bitcoin transaction. Even if I don't have internet, I can do a Bitcoin transaction through a satellite. 
I can, all I got to do is get a, one of those uh, dish network satellites and give me like two hours and I can do Bitcoin transactions through that. Um, Cause there's a satellite that I can connect to that I can send bit, Bitcoin transactions to. So yes, you can make it harder for people to use it, but you can't stop people from using it. They can't even stop drugs from coming across the border. So how are you going to stop some invisible um, code from being transferred through the internet? Um, I don't know if that's uh, intentional or not. I do I'm have a government, by the way, just in case. Yeah. Know. So I, I have a uh, question here about, um, so, and I, I guess really the only thing I have to relate it to is the, is the dollar or another currency. Um, but so right now it's in price discovery phase, right? But like no, uh, and I'm, you know, people do uh, invest in currencies. However, I've never had the thought to invest in the dollar, right? I'm always trying to get rid of my dollars. I don't want to hold on to the dollars. We want to own assets. And so uh, I'm trying to think of that in terms of Bitcoin, if it's in price discovery phase right now, eventually it would be stable. Um, The only reason I would need a Bitcoin would be if that's what, you who I'm trying to do business with wants to trade with. Right. And so uh, I guess in the future, it's not necessarily going to be like it is now of man, Bitcoin went up six. I mean, this morning it was up six point some percent. Um, You know, it's not going to be like that. It'll more just be like, all right, I got to go. Or, well, I guess maybe the whole world will just be operating on Bitcoin at that point, or I have to go trade in this for Bitcoin to be able to do this transaction. But it's not necessarily going to be like, all right, hopefully we go up 20% today. Yeah. Is that accurate? So, so yeah, that's accurate. I think like over time, it becomes more closer to gold than, than, um, than, than, than a dollar. So it becomes closer to like the use of gold. So right now you wouldn't buy gold if you're trying to like 10 X your money. Um, but there's a time when, um, there's, there's, um, the Spanish pulled up to Colombia and they seen uh, the native people wearing gold as, as part of their outfits. And they're wearing like gold skirts and gold necklaces and gold headdresses. And um, they wanted to gather all that gold because right at that time they realized that, I mean, I don't know if they realized this or not, but they had different values between them of the amount of, 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 of worth of that gold. And so basically I think Bitcoin becomes more uh, like a store of value. Um, and then based on that store of value, the same way we did with gold is there's things that we transfer that's backed by that store of value. Um, so just like we had the gold backed dollar, well, the problems start happening when we went off of that hard money dollar and we just start inflating the, the, the money supply. So if you look at any, any currency in history, uh, a currency that works the way our currency works is called a fiat currency. It's not backed by anything except the government's word or the Federal Reserve's word. If you look at all those throughout history, there's never been one that 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 survived. They always go through this process where we're backed by something, then we're not backed by something. And since we're not backed by something, we can start printing more of it as a government. And as a, as a government or a king or whatever I am, if I print more, me and my friends that get that money first, 
we're going to be able to benefit from that because the peasants that get that money last, by the time it gets to them, their dollars are already going to be diluted. Yeah. But if I'm the king's friend, when he prints the new money and I get that new money, some of that new money first, then I can still buy things at the same price before it starts getting inflated by everyone with more money. And yeah, and like I think COVID and you know the PPP stuff was a, a great example of that. Like, you know, people that don't fully understand money were like, yeah, like give me those checks. And like that's great. But they're actually not moving up the way the people that actually have assets and money are in this time period. Like yeah. Bezos and whoever whoever had millions of dollars gained a lot of ground in what happened. And meanwhile, people get a $600 check or $1,200 check and like feel like they're graining ground, but really they're losing because yeah. we're printing a ton of money. So the dollar becomes worth less and assets go up. Yeah. And so it's like they've been tricked and this prevents that. Like you can't go print a bunch more Bitcoin. There's a certain amount that can be there. And yeah. it's fascinating the component of which, which I've heard people talk on and maybe, you know, uh, some more about this of like, this, this is for the people. This is like actually potentially going to help people that are in poverty uh, in the long run because they're not going to be manipulated like that. And they're going to have um, a much more fair chance at what is this, what is this thing, this currency or any kind of value that they have worth? Well, it's going to be ideally once price discovery is done the same and not less every day and wealthy, keep getting more wealthy. Yeah. And I agree. And so like, let's, let's, let's put it this way. Let's say, let's say um, everyone, whoever's listening, uh, we're, we're talking about your grandma or your grandpa. So let's say your grandma or your grandpa, they just decide they're going to save their money for their whole, their whole life. So they start, they're 20 years old. They start making money. They start saving it. They save it. They save it. They save it. And then, so now they're, they're um, 80 years old. And so they're 80 years old. They've been saving money for 60 years. And then that money that they're saving, it can't even buy a house. It can't even buy a whole house. And so at the time that like at the time when they start, started saving that money, if they have that same amount, it would be able to buy quite a bit more. So basically their purchasing power got stripped from them from, from nothing of their own doing. Like, so I got like, what did I do to make my money that I want to save worth less. So instead I have to be like Alex and every other smart investor. Every time I get a dollar, I have to immediately put it into investment. Otherwise my money is going to be worth a lot less. Judging from last year to this year, my money is worth 30% less. If I, if I like buying houses or if I like buying pretty much anything than uh, lumber, anything then my, my money's worth 30% less. And so if I, if I have no control or no idea of what's going to happen with the, the dollar and how much they're going to inflate it, and are they going to do three trillion again out of thin air, uh, two trillion again out of thin air, six trillion out of thin air, like trillions, not even the, it's like a freaking play number now. They're just throwing it around. Yeah. So I like my thing is like, yes, the checks help people. And yes, people needed it. And yes, uh, it, it, um, it, it, it helped people in that immediate situation. And so 
that's that's good but but my way of looking at it is like if if they're going to print money to solve problems then if 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 Matt if you need to borrow money from me and I let you borrow the money or I I'll just say I'm I'm giving you the money but everything else that you buy for the rest of your life is more expensive and you're going to be paying me back for the rest of your life and right. so even though, even if you even once you pay me back plus interest, you still got to keep paying me because we did a deal that never ends. So like and your kids, when you have kids, they got to pay me, too. And your grandkids. And so that's basically Great the deal that we made. And so it's like you want twelve hundred dollars so that your grandkids are going to have to pay for this later and you're going to have to keep paying for it. And, and so but I don't blame anyone. Because uh, when I say it, it seems, seems like I'm saying like, oh, why did you take this money? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we didn't have really a choice in it. Um, even if every hundred percent of people uh, of the citizens didn't want that to happen, it still would have happened. So there's nothing that we could have done. So the only thing that we can do is have a peaceful protest and buy assets that we think can solve this problem that's making us yeah. not not be able to save our money totally man and obviously you know i think a lot of people know this but the the people that got the real money were the you know the big corporations that got millions of dollars of ppp loans yeah um and so yeah you're that's a great way to put it is like it's it's great in the immediate moment but ultimately it is going to hurt you and everyone else because it's it's meant to benefit the king and the king's friends <laughs> yeah this episode is brought to you by house max funding House Max is one of the fastest growing hard money lenders in America, specializing in loans that provide you the cash needed to fund flips, buying holds, and ground up construction projects. House Max gives you the ability to compete with all cash buyers and increase your velocity by closing in 7 to 10 business days. If you're looking for cheap hard money and a relentless originator who will make sure your deal gets funded, call or text Bryce Tennyson today. 512-627-6192. Bryce is a great friend of ours. He actually funds all of our hard money uh, loans and uh, he'll get the job done for you. Uh, so make sure you give him a call. Back to the episode. With Bitcoin, due to the 21 million coin cap, um, well, first question, is this uh, is this able to be verified? Like, is this somewhere in the in the network where like, you as a miner or user or you can somehow look at this and say hey you know the software whatever the ledger says you know it's only 21 million is that like able to be verified or where yeah, does so, like so the cool thing about bitcoin is uh one of the one of the things that a lot of people say one of the memes in bitcoin is don't trust verify and so everything that um, we talk about in Bitcoin based on numbers or how something works. It can all be verified through the code. And so I'm like a skeptical person. So I had to learn some some different things about code and some some certain things about how Bitcoin works so that I could go in there and verify for myself that all those things that these nerds are saying is actually true. And so uh, so I did that. And, and a lot of people have done that. And um, it's been around long enough that if any of those things were flaws, somebody would have pointed them out. But all that stuff is like verified into the blockchain, and and um, and and uh, it could be it could be verified. And so the the main thing about it is um, 
without a middleman. So if me and you're going to do a transaction and we do it through PayPal, if, if, if you screw me over, then PayPal is going to give me my money back and then they're going to enforce the penalty on you and whatever counts to your account or freeze your money that you have in there. And so if there's no middleman, then I have to trust, like I have to either know you and trust that we're going to do the deal correctly, which if I'm doing internet deals and people all over the world, then most likely that's not going to happen. And so the thing that uh, we we're able to trust is we're able to trust math and code. And so I would rather trust math over a human any day. Numbers don't lie. Always the deterministic answer. And it has, it always works the exact same way. And one plus one is two and two plus two is four. And that's the same answer every time, unless you do some like Jedi tricks where you're, well, never mind. Some smart people, <laughs> that. but, uh, but most cases those, and so math is, 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 is always true. And humans, we can change our mind. We can do different things. Different things can happen. I can be in the middle of a transaction and get kidnapped and um, the transaction won't finish. So um, there's all kinds of reasons why uh, humans are wavering in our, in our decisions. But with math, it's a little bit more concrete. And so I think that's the thing I like about Bitcoin is, um, is no one has to trust humans to follow the rules of not inflating their money and making people work harder just to um, just to uh, maintain the value that they created in the past. Is there, so at some point, uh, and maybe you know this date when um, the gold standard was introduced, uh, at some point it was taken off the gold standard, right? And maybe way before then and during the gold standard days, uh, everybody said the same thing that they're saying about Bitcoin. We won't come off this. It makes no sense. Why would we, you know, not have something to base this currency off of the store value? Um, and if this has continued to happen throughout history uh, and it never works, but people keep doing the same thing over again, uh, why would what would prohibit that from happening to Bitcoin as the being the gold standard now, you know, Bitcoin's the new gold standard and hundred years from now, someone says, you know, let's, let's get off of that. And just, yeah, if so. I can jump in just from my opinion, it's like, I guess the difference would be that it's, it's, those are all controlled by a third party or a government or a King or this or that, where this is not that like, the U.S. government decided to go off the gold standard, mm. not necessarily the people. Right. And so Bitcoin doesn't allow that. There is no person that's saying this is what Bitcoin is going to do or not do. It's everybody involved is just a part of it. That's how I would answer that. Yeah, that's that's true. I agree. And so, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so we had different things like currencies backed by something and then they got not backed by something. Um, and so... The thing, the thing is like Bitcoin is like, like, uh, uh, to me, it's like, it's like a thing that, that just exists. So it just exists and we have our opinions on it. We have our ways of using it and, and however we use it and do different things with it, the thing stays the same. So Bitcoin stays the same. It's still, you can't inflate it. One person can't change it. Uh, you can't um, 
dilute the value that someone currently has. So that stays the same. And whatever I do as a human on the outside to it, or if I create something on the side, like if I'm the decision maker on that thing, like I, if I create Bitcoin back dollars, then I can do that, create Bitcoin back dollars, but I created it so I can take those dollars away and take it off the Bitcoin standard. And now we have this Lamar dollars over here, but Bitcoin still exists. That would so be that. How I use Bitcoin, if I'm smart, would be to stay close as Bitcoin as possible rather than some synthetic derivatives of it. It's kind of like on the gold standard, it would have been better for me to have gold than the, the paper that, that represents the gold. Right. And this uh, synthetic derivative, this would be an example of these stable coins that you mentioned were backed by Bitcoin? Yeah, there's. it could be the stable coins or it could be whatever, like some kind of paper thing. Um, but it just matters how, how it's built. And so... Um, it's not really, you can't really judge something until it's actually built and used, um, but it's, 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 it's pretty much impossible to create another Bitcoin um, because it's like a long discussion on how it's, it's possible technically, but it's not possible um, socially to create another Bitcoin because um, all kinds of reasons, but um, if uh, I did create something that was the next Bitcoin, then um, five people would buy all of it and it wouldn't distribute properly, properly and, and that would be a big problem with it. And so, um, yeah. But. That's great, man. Well, hey, dude, uh, we'll have to do another session. I actually have, uh, I got to go get my kids. <laughs> no problem. This, this is great, man. We could talk about this forever and uh, really do appreciate you coming on. Um, we'd love to talk about it more. And I think there's a whole nother episode about like what you're doing and what we could be doing to kind of push this, uh, mission and this, this along, uh, for, for the movement. Uh, but, but man, appreciate you a lot. All right, no problem. Hey, but one more thing, make sure you put this in there. Yeah. Is, um, I like Bitcoin a lot, but I don't really have that much. Okay. So, um, I wish I had like a ton more, but I have some for like experiments and stuff like that, but I don't really like hold Bitcoin. Um, that much um, I, have, I have more than most people probably have but it's all like just a small amount and um, um, I wish I had a ton more and I'll probably buy some more over time <laughs> cool man well thank you so much I uh, appreciate you and uh, we'll keep pushing forward man so hope you have a great day thanks, thanks. tomorrow alright thank you guys that was great thanks man take care